economics is the study of human choice in the world we live. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By investigating faith in economics, we can learn how they lead to human flourishing. This is the Faith in Economics podcast, a presentation of the Gortney Institute at Ottawa University. Welcome to our show today. I'm Nate Johnson, the producer and graduate assistant for the Gortney Institute. Today on our show, we have Dr. Russ McCullough, the founder of the Gortney Institute and the Wayne Angel Chair of Economics. We also have Dr. Justin Clark, the Menard Family Professor of Philosophy and Ethics. We also have Dr. Peter Jacobson, the Gordian Professor of Economic Education Research. And finally, my fellow graduate, or my fellow producer and graduate assistant, Luke Graham. All right. Well, we thought uh, we'd try to tackle population change, which sounds like maybe an unusual topic, but a lot of economists study why people move and where they move. And so since we're big fans of economic freedom, there's been some studies of migration between states. And we thought we'd just kind of discuss the issues at hand of of what economists have found for for data out there on moving from state to state. Peter, what what do you got to say on this? Yeah, so the Census Bureau recently released their vintage population estimates, which they do every year. It's just in July. They sort of use the most recent data for the year to give information. And so in July of 2021, they released the population estimate for 2020 to 2021. You know, that gives you sort of an idea of different states, the the amount of people they have, and they focus on two major numbers. The first is change in population. And so that's literally what are the number of people in your state compared to the year before? What's the number of people in your state and all the other years? You can make that comparison, the literal number. But then they also focus on another number, which is net migration, specifically net domestic migration. And so the difference between these numbers is net domestic migration is measuring how many people are coming into your state from other states versus how many people are leaving your state for other states. And you find, you know, Mm -hmm. what you subtract one number from the other and you find in total how many people are migrating in and out of your state. That's different from population changes in that population changes include international migration, births, deaths, things like that. And so net migration and population change are the two big numbers that we can focus on. They're probably the the big indicators of the report. And the the numbers, these will be unsurprising to some people, but basically the, the short of it is our biggest population losers, both in percentage terms and in number terms, which is kind of surprising that it would be the same, are New York, Illinois, and California. Shocker. Yeah. And so we have New York in first place or last place, depending on how you want now, to look at let's, it. Oh. Let's talk uh, climate. Okay. California is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Why would anybody want to leave California? Why would Justin ever take a job here in Kansas when he has California roots? Justin, why would you do that? So I can look at your beautiful face. First. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. Okay. <laughs> So I, New I, York, I, Illinois. So uh, and the way we have that is probably Chicago with Illinois for the most part, right? I mean, large. large I can't remember the population breakdown, but it is. I mean, it's by far the biggest city yeah. in Illinois. But it doesn't. The census report doesn't break down exactly where people are leaving from. But I imagine uh, probably Chicago. Yeah. Just, but at least just with, given there, the with this study, it's kind of interesting. We got East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. Yeah, so. it's nice because one of the common things that people say, actually, I think. Cuomo or de Blasio, one of the two, I forget which one, made this argument when New York was confronted, not on the vintage estimates, but the previous estimates of New York was losing a ton of people. They said, oh, it's the weather. We're moving away from New York to Florida because
because it's like, you know, not nice weather in New York. Right. The problem with that argument, it's a really bad argument. It's like no one is surprised by the weather in states. It's not like if you live in Michigan and winter gets really cold, you're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know this. I got to move somewhere else. Like <laughs> everybody knows that Florida has nice weather. That doesn't explain any changes. It's, mm-hmm. You can't explain like people suddenly deciding, oh, I want to live in Colorado because there's mountains there. Everyone knows there's mountains in Colorado. <laughs> a huge portion of the population didn't suddenly discover that New York was not nice or suddenly discover that you know, well, it wouldn't make sense to discover that California is nice weather because people are leaving, but weather, climate, things like that, that ex- maybe explains levels to a certain extent, but it can't explain changes yeah. unless we're having like radical climate change. You know, the ocean has risen and engulfed all of California. That's enough to have people move out, but any small changes can't explain what, what's happening here, at right. least with weather. Yeah. So our, our big loser is New York. Now that New York's one of the bigger states. And so losing this many people is percentage wise, maybe a bigger, bigger difference for Illinois. But in terms of numbers, New York lost basically a third of a million people. They lost 319,000 people over the last year from 2020 to 2021. That was their population change was a loss of 319,000 people. Biggest change in history. I think for any state, actually, all of US history, New York's been on a downward trend for some time now. But this is like even below trend. And so New York has never lost more than 150,000 people. They've never even lost half of what they lost this year. Hmm. And so we've got New York wow. in first, California in second, lot. losing 261,000. California, this is actually a really big deal because even though they were on a downward trend with changes, California was still adding people until the year 2019. The population was still growing by a little bit in that year. 2020, it turns around, starts to go negative. They lost 60,000 in 2020 now 260,000. So again, not only are we decreasing, but we're falling way below the trends. And lastly, Illinois losing people for a long time, but they kind of jumped their trend, just like New York and California, they lost 113,000. And given that, you know, New York and California, two biggest states, right? Illinois being even close to them is shocking that Illinois would lose that many people. So these are huge sudden changes. So it's what you've just been talking about is uh, aggregate numbers of people, right? Yes. Population. What does it look like in terms of percentages? Not off, not off the top of my head, but if we just think very quickly, California population, is it 20 million, Justin? Is that, that's... Well, I know New York City alone has around 18 million. 40 million. It's, so California is 40 million. So a loss of 319,000, that would be what? I don't do math on that. <laughs> math on the fly. I want to say... Well, while you're doing some calculations, I have some data on percentage changes. This okay. is from a study from a while back. I think it was 2018. Dean Stanzel at uh, Southwestern Methodist University works with Bob and Jim on the economic freedom, but he boiled it down to MSAs, so Metropolitan Service Areas. And they looked at 1970, the freedom of the town in terms of uh, local taxes and local regulations of the metropolitan service area. So that includes, you know, the, all the cities that are con- combined together. And so there's 52 of these MSAs around the country that have a population greater than a million. And what they did is they looked at some cities, what they looked like back in 1970 in terms of their ranking of economic freedom, Detroit, Cleveland, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, and Buffalo were five cities that they picked out. And those cities have kind of turned towards more regulation over up through the years. And in 2016, they were ranked in the low levels, 23rd, 51st, 60, 61st, so on. And 
the percentage change, the migration out of there is that they lost 55% in Detroit, 48% in Cleveland, 50% in St. Louis. This is over this 40-year time frame, bear in mind, and 41%. And so these people were moving. And then the other part of this story is that there's other cities that remained free, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Phoenix, Jacksonville, and they went up 86%, 50%, 6%, 20, 128%, 177%. So we have these swings of people, and it's clear that in general, they're moving to places that allow a little more freedom, lower taxes, less regulation. So I think it's an indication of, of some freedom seekers. Granted, there's other external circumstances. Any economic study is going to have to try to reconcile with, you know, the loss of the change of industry, for instance, in Detroit, the auto industry or, or whatever, but there it's complicated, but tells a bit of a story on some massive population changes over these long periods of time based on economic freedom. Yeah. And to, to come back around to Justin's question, it's about 1% for both Illinois and California and about one and a half percent for New York. That might oh. sound small listeners because, you know, 1% is usually a pretty small, but if you're thinking of 1% of the population leaving a state, and that rate has actually been getting worse every single year for all these states and really got especially worse this year. If 1% of your population leaves at a constant rate, that same 1% every year, you lose the entire state in 100 years. Now, I'm not claiming that's going to happen, obviously, but it's a pretty big deal to lose one out of every 100 people. You know, imagine if one out of every 100 people in your town or your city left. Yeah, It'd be a pretty different how thing. cities start to, to die and vacancies and apartments and homes and all of that. And then just the income alone, if the median income there is 50, 60,000 without looking it up, but it's 60,000 times those, you know, that number of people, there's a lot of money leaving and exiting as well. So I want to do something fun now. I want people to take guesses. So we know the three biggest losers. I want guesses on, we'll do raw numbers before, you know, population uh, percentages, but raw numbers wise, what do you expect are the two states that have grown the fastest? I'm going to let the graduate students pick first. The two states have grown the fastest? Yeah, in terms of numbers, not in terms of numbers. the most people going to. I would say Florida. I would say Texas. Two yeah. for two. Yep. Okay. You're, you're exactly right. That means they listened in class, listeners. That's so great. They've heard me say it a couple times, I think. Yeah, or, or you know, honestly, I think almost anybody could have guessed that. You're right. Both his not, intellect and my teaching ability at the same time. No, no, no. That, one that's, fell that's, swoop. That's not, that's, not, that's not what I meant. Maybe that's why he did know it. But there's something interesting about the fact that like most people probably can't even name like 25 states. Maybe that's like a little uncharitable. Maybe like 40 states might be hard for most people to name. Most people probably can't locate most states on a na- on a map. Most people probably don't know the population of most states. I just oh, showed Peter, myself. I don't know. We were taking that Uber in Florida. Peter and I were oh, going yeah. to, didn't know we where Kansas to was. Economic conference, and she said. And where, how did she frame it? She kind of just, she just said, she, where is it? Yeah, she asked, she asked where we're from. We said Kansas, she said, and now where is Kansas? And so, you know, this is it. And, and <laughs> that you know, floored me. I, I, I don't blame her. If you live somewhere like Florida, New York, California, you have no reason to know where Kansas is. That's fine. Not but it is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or further up into the left. You know, yeah. yeah. But, but it's amazing that you could ask this question to a hundred people. And I, I would guess at least like half would come up with the answer. Oh, probably Florida and Texas, Right. I think that says something really interesting. I, I will highlight Florida and Texas. It's been in the news for sure. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Especially 
New York to Florida, I think, seems to be in the news a lot. I, I do want to, like, it's not exactly myth-busting. I, I wouldn't say that. I will say that even though Florida and Texas both went above trend for 2020, 2021 looks pretty much on trends for them. And so the biggest story out of these population numbers seems to be where people are leaving, not so much where they're going, even though there is a story on where people are going. Mm. Texas added as many people in uh, or continued their trend of adding people in 2021. That was the same, basically the same trend in 2018. Again, 2020 was a blip up. A lot of people did go to both Texas and Florida during the pandemic, but now it's kind of settled back down. So, yeah, you can ask like what this is about. I think there's a, a few possible explanations. Um, policies is obviously one. I, I think that this is obvious to ignore it. You'd have to do a lot of mental gymnastics. I think telework is another. I yeah. don't know why, if you have a nice New York City job, why you would want to live in New York if you had to. But I'm a little suspicious of that explanation because I can't imagine there are many companies that have promised that you can telework for the next 20 years, right? I think even if you, there's still some companies where it's suspended yeah. to get up and move right now because of telework seems maybe a little premature. When, yeah. When the, when the, when the chopping block comes up, I suspect they might be on the short list to be cut because it's like out of sight, out of mind. I think they do a good job, but Hey, we need to, we need to streamline operations. The economy's, you know, going down. And so I, I would just suspect as opposed to maybe somebody who, was in closer physical proximity to wherever the boss is might stand a better chance of being kept. But I don't know. That's just speculation. I think a lot of jobs in New York and especially in, you know, the, the Bay yeah. of California yeah. are tech jobs, which are much more suited to right. uh, remote work. And I think a lot of them actually found that they could operate near as efficiently, or in some cases more efficiently. I know this having listened to podcasts with a, a tech CEO who said, I, I didn't think it would work, but it actually worked better. Hmm. So now we have teams everywhere. Yeah. And I think that that kind of work can be done remotely. And if it can be done remotely, then like Peter said, it, it's a no brainer for a lot of these people hmm. to uh, to move somewhere where the cost of living is a lot lower, which automatically right. gives themselves a raise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but one place I do want to say that I think a good piece of evidence that policy is really behind a lot of this, it's not just the telework change, is Illinois. I think Illinois is a great like counterfactual. All right, let's uh, hold that thought because okay. that looks like a great spot to break into the second half. I also wanted to check in on any uh, faith elements with, with this in terms of, our, is that part of the decision-making that I'm currently in what seems to be a faithless, materialistic state and and i'm gonna move to somewhere else um so we'll be back in just a bit with that thought by 2030 the gordon institute will be known for its alumni supporters and participants who incorporate economic understanding with their faith in their careers vocations communities and personal lives the institute will be a nationally recognized source for knowledge and contribution to students experience society's understanding for private and public solutions to poverty and the overlaps of markets governance and faith Young audience will look to the Institute for challenging and engaging education on faith and economics. The Gordy Institute at Ottawa University is the best place in the Midwest for students interested in freedom and justice and its impact on human flourishing. If you or someone you know is looking for a college like that, contact Peter or Russ or Justin today. Don't forget to check out our show notes for this episode at podcast.123povertysucks.org.
All right, welcome back. We had a cliffhanger with Dr. Jacobson and telework, and then I'm going to weave in some faith stuff. So, Peter, where did, before I so rudely cut you off, what were you thinking? So, I think the biggest arguments that this is not COVID policy driving people away, which is my theory. I believe COVID policy is why these states are losing people. By the way, I highlighted in the first half, the trend is getting worse all of a sudden the last two years for these states. More people are leaving at a faster rate than ever. That's the, so something has to have changed just recently. The, the competing so, arguments so. are maybe it's COVID. People are afraid of living in big cities. I don't think that makes sense for a reason. I'll explain in a second. And telework. Maybe you know people are leaving because of telework. I think that one has a little bit more truth to it. But here's the reason that it doesn't work as a full explanation. It does not explain what's happening in Illinois. And so you you have to think through logically what's going on in Illinois. Imagine you have a job in Illinois, maybe in Chicago, we'll say, because that's probably where people are leaving, and you get the opportunity to telework. Where do you go and why do you go somewhere else? Well, you probably are going to go somewhere that's not terribly far from Chicago. There's plenty of places in rural Illinois with low cost of living. And so that's one possibility. But if that's the case, then Illinois wouldn't be losing people, right? If everyone just would move from Chicago to yeah. suburbs or rural areas outside of Chicago or Southern Illinois, then you wouldn't lose people. Another option is, well, maybe they're going to other cities. But okay, what? so that's taking away your COVID thing, which I agree with. Uh, it, if you so, want to avoid COVID, you could go to one of the smaller Illinois cities. Yeah, or, or if you wanted to telework, right? You could get a lower cost of living yeah. by moving south in, in Southern Illinois. Okay. Now someone might say, well, they don't want to move to rural areas, so they're going to move to other cities. The reason that argument doesn't work is Chicago doesn't have much lower or much higher cost of living than any other big city, right? You know, St. Louis's cost of living is not much lower than Chicago's cost of living. They're basically right on bar, on, on par with each other. And so if it isn't the cost, if people aren't moving to other states for cost of living, and they're not moving to other places in Illinois, probably what's going on is people are leaving the state of Illinois, the state itself, because they don't like the policies that they're forced to live under in Illinois, the various COVID measures that have been happening. And so they're leaving the state as a whole. And the numbers do reflect what's happening with all these places, New York, the least so. But what's happening with all these places is people are moving next door to a, to a separate state, which implies you're leaving the state's policy, right? Mm -hmm. And so the biggest growing states in terms of percentages, we said numbers were Texas and California. Percentages are every state that borders California. That's the <laughs> fastest growing states. If you look at the Midwest, all the states that had positive population growth in the Midwest border Illinois, except North Dakota. Really? Even Illinois Iowa's getting a little bump? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not sure if all, not all the states that border Illinois are growing, but all the states in the Midwest that are growing border Illinois. Oh. So I can't remember if Iowa is one of the growing or non-growing states. It's not dropping that fast. Yeah. But North Dakota is the only exception of that. Again, and we know that North Dakota has had really lenient COVID policy. Uh, business is open. We're open for business. They went that whole route. And so I think that the you know logic and the numbers bring us to kind of this central idea that Maybe telework has something to do with it, but it's more of people are escaping bad COVID policies. They're leaving the states where got very heavy Democrat control. I don't quite see the bifurcation between these two explanations because it seems to me that like the telework tightly, the possibility for telework was raised by COVID policies in a lot of these cases. And had telework not been a possibility, 
you might not see this kind of movement. Yeah, I, th- I think there, there's something to that. What I want to avoid and what I think is wrong is the explanation that people are leaving because the cost of living in their state is high and now they have telework. I think that's a little bit of a deceptive explanation. I think you have to have in that explanation that people aren't just leaving because the cost of living is high and always has been and telework's an option. People are leaving because cost of living is high, telework's an option. And there are new policies that suck. And actually that third thing I think is the most important. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You, so you want to just, you, you want to say it can't be the case that these explanations leave out these policy changes. Yes, that, yeah, that's, okay. that's right. You can't Great. just say that it's telework and people are finally able to leave New York City and they've been waiting to for 10 years. Nope, it's recent. It's not just the telework, it's the bad policies. Yes, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, and the bad policies can be looked at in other ways over time, like you say, the acceleration of the growth could be partly COVID was the final thing on top of all yeah. these other factors that, boom, yep. I'm pulling the trigger now. This is enough. It's enough. Yep. That's, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. So the COVID accelerator might be yeah. part of the story. So, so on this faith stuff, I thought it was kind of interesting. I just did during the break, a, a quick little search of religiosity so non, this breaks it down into non-religious. So this is going to include all religions and different faiths. They have just very religious, moderately religious, and non-religious. And my theory holds, so it's proof. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm an economist. We don't do words like proving anything, right? But here's a little bit of evidence. So New York uh, was 40% non-religious. Illinois was 36% non-religious and California was 41% non-religious. And the states that are growing are 33% non-religious in Florida. Texas is 25% non-religious. So the two top ones that uh, Nate cited were there. And by the way, the national average is 33% non-religious. So all three of those states are have non-religious numbers that are higher than the national average and certainly higher than both of the states that we're seeing migration to. So little tiny bit of evidence. I think that brings in a, a culture factor. It's kind of interesting with religiosity that it's more than just how much taxes I'm paying and, and uh, some of these other things. So this faith factor uh, might be a little part of the story. One thing about that faith factor though, I agree that the, those numbers seem to show some evidence that that might be like a reason for the pull of the destination, right? But it's not like Texans just found God and New Yorkers <laughs> just abandoned it, right? Um, so uh, again, I think you need to look at something that has ch- that has recently yeah. changed. Similar to what people um, say about change, yeah. And the one thing that I, if we're talking about policy, one of the 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 biggest policy things that I think is driving this in is schools. I think when you screw with people's kids, that is one of the things that is the biggest drivers of people saying, you know what, I'm done with this. And if you look at California, Illinois, and New York, those are all states where in-person learning has been completely uh, abandoned. Those are the three states that do the least amount of in-person learning. And that I think people realize that that only is not, not only is that affecting their kids, that's actually also making it the case that, you know, one of the parents can't work. And so I really think that um, if you look at the states that are gaining, these tend to be states that have kept schools open and that have family-friendly policies. There were a bunch of articles last, last fall where they compared, you know, was it like New Mexico and Texas? There was a, a couple of those border towns where 
um, you know, on the New Mexico side, oh, yeah. uh, the yeah, kids weren't, weren't going to school and like how uh, there were a bunch of like, like teen suicides for, cause they could, you know, just look one town over and see that these, uh, their friends were you know playing football and going to pep rallies and this kind of thing. And so I think parents realizing oh, this is really bad for my kids. That's it. I think that is a breaking point and a final straw for a lot of people. So did you, did you, there was some studies that like, I'm thinking with Peter's study, if they break the household into households with kids or without kids, that would be pretty interesting yeah, to see if that was something that'd be probably pretty easy data to find. I would think. Uh, yeah. So I'm not saying that's a primary sure. driver, yeah, um, no, but it's interesting. I think that uh, for instance, like the, the remote working thing is actually a bigger driver for, for single people. Right? Yeah. yeah you sense. can immediately give yourself a raise by moving, but I think that the the kid thing is a huge driver for families. Yeah. The, the census uh, vintage estimates don't break it out that much, but when they finally finish up the new census numbers and everything's ironed out, you probably will be able to look at least at the 2020 because it's a 10 year census at least the 2020 household changes, mm-hmm. which maybe will give you a little bit because it's the beginning of COVID there. Yeah. And the po- the populations were starting to change enough. then by a lot. Yeah, yeah may- maybe not enough. We-, we would have to see. There's probably other data, though, on collecting household information. Yeah, I, I, I imagine there is. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But I I, uh, I agree, Russ, that uh, with the facts of what you're saying, I think it's true that people are t- tend to be, if we had less religious and more religious states and we had classifications, you would see people are moving from less religious states to more religious states. I think the causality runs, I, I bet you would find even starker estimates if you had evangelical Protestant states versus non-evangelical Protestant, Protestant states. I think that would be even starker. What I think is going on here is that more religious people in the U.S. tend to be more conservative. And if you have a state with more conservatives, you're not doing the COVID policies. That, that's the way that I'm seeing yeah, this. This is all interconnected. Running, you know, that's, yeah. That's the difficult part is trying to tease out some of these relationships. Yeah, sure. and yeah. I think that's what's driving a lot of Texas. And uh, Florida actually uh, maybe is a good exception to mine. Florida and, and yours too. Uh, it's not unreligious, but it's not like if you compare it to the Midwest or the South, it's not particularly religious. Yeah. Uh, not, not it was right at the national else. average on at least the nons. It was pretty close. So, Justin. So if we are right that at least some of these drivers tend are things like remote work and uh, even people saying, I want my kids to be in school, um, that isn't people who are moving somewhere because uh they fully agree with the ideology of that state. Right. They're right. just saying like, this is one issue that's one step too far for me. Yeah. Um, and in that case, you might find people moving uh, to a culturally conservative state who aren't themselves culturally conservative. Yeah. Right. So one thing I think will be interesting to see is like, does this actually change the cultural demographic of these states? And I think you've found some, you know, there's the saying in Texas, like, don't California my Texas. Right, right. right. That, um, definitely. So I'm, I wonder what you think happens to these states in terms of political makeup as these kinds of shifts happen. Do people move and tend to adopt the values of the place they're moving to? Or do they move there and bring their political baggage with them? I think they move and adopt. That's just my experience. Peter, earlier in the podcast, was talking about California and how all the bordering states were increased in population. And Idaho, I just looked it up on my phone earlier. Idaho is like number seven. It's like it goes Florida, Texas, and then Idaho's down there at seven at like 60,000 new residents. 
an experience there over the summers and everything. We hate Californians. <laughs> we, <laughs> sorry, Justin. <laughs> Every, to me in private all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hate you. All the time. <laughs> um, no, there's just so many bumper stickers and so much aggression towards the people moving to our state. So there's bumper stickers. And they like guns there. Oh yeah. We like, we love guns in Idaho and we, uh, everyone, a lot that you'll see on the freeway, at least like five or 10 cars have Californians, please get out of my state. Like we don't want you. And then even an example, I was floating down the river, which is a big thing in Boise and all the Idahoans love doing it in summer. And there was a, a, a raft with some Californians and some Idahoans actually spilled the raft. They flipped the raft while they were going down. So it's just, it's a lot of hostility between people that move states like that. And I think, I don't think they're going to, I don't think Idaho will ever adopt <laughs> Californians policies or anything like that. I think we'll stand strong. Hopefully I would hope so because it just shows. All now, especially with the Gorton Institute, we don't like to blanket any one state. I, I would like to say uh, Ronald Reagan came from California. Uh, there's been other examples of that, but I think California wrongfully gets judged by LA and San Francisco yeah. and whatever, you know, these large population areas. There's lots of, I have some relatives that live in the, the outskirts of California and different places. There's, there's a quite a bit of conservative culture in California in different places, but it's not the dominant thing we see. So you Idaho people go a little easy because the people who are actually probably moving to your state are probably the ones you might be friends with drinking a beer at a bar. So <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I, Idaho, I, I was just talk, looking while Nate was talking there, both in terms of numbers and in terms, I think I, I'd have to run all the percentages and I'm, I'm not going to do that while I'm sitting here on the podcast or anything. But I, I think that in terms of percent, it's probably in the top three of growth. Uh, Idaho grew 3.5%. Yeah, you uh, put is, out an article that it's like the most you hold. I, I wouldn't too, be just looking at the raw numbers here. I wouldn't be surprised if it was number one because it's in the top five of raw population numbers. Mm -hmm. And again, yeah. that's with Texas and California, these huge states compared to Idaho, relatively small state. Mm -hmm. I just look 1.7 million, it looks like people, and they're getting 60,000 people in it as a massive change. Yeah. The whole state has 1.7? Yeah. I, I think oh so. Oh my gosh, not a big state. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, 1.7. I mean, one thing to look at here is like the actual destinations within the states that are gaining. So, you know, people who move to, say, Austin from California, those are people that are looking to move to the part of Texas that is yeah. culturally liberal. Right? Yeah. And that's um, when people move to Boise. Yeah. yeah. It's the same, same way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, that might tell you, well, is this going to. Is that why you live in a shift? Huh? Is that why you live in Lawrence, <laughs> California, boy? <laughs> it all makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to pull that punch. Yeah. <laughs> so if you find these centers growing rather than places in the states that are typically culturally conservative, that might tell you whether or not you should expect mm -hmm. to be able to be bringing political baggage with them. And that's something that would slowly evolve over time, too, as all things. But uh, local politics could change a lot faster with what you're saying. You could have a large migration that are all going to one town, and then local politics could change a lot quicker. Yeah, I, I think, like, one final thing to, on, on this. I actually don't know the answer to this question that Justin raised. I'm, I'm not sure whether people change. Or, by the way, maybe it's, like, the Republicans in New York City who are leaving, right? I imagine, actually, it's probably, like, disproportionately people who disagree with the state policies who are leaving. It's not just that, as Justin pointed out, the parents who don't want their kids to have to tell a school, those sorts of things. But I would guess, like, again, disproportionately, 
more Republicans are probably leaving California than Democrats. Which is a self-reinforcing change. So yes. Then we're taking away those voters who would have voted against, and so then that will allow New York uh, of to course, Of course, New York City is so disproportionately Democrat that even if, like, <laughs> you know... You know, even if like way more Republicans are leaving as a proportion than Democrats, it could still be the case. The raw number of Democrats leaving is more. I think actually places like Idaho, this sort of reinforces a certain amount of conservative power. If you're looking at this from like a political perspective, because likely you're not going to have enough people come into Idaho to flip the state because it's a, a relatively red state. Right. Yeah. Right. Nate? Yeah. Right it's there. red every time. And so really all you're doing is you're adding to electoral votes when you do this. Yeah. Florida is one place uh, where I think there's like some decent concern because Florida is a, a swing state. And so, uh, you know, I think the last governor election was decided by less than 60,000 votes. And so if you have 60,000 people moving from New York, this becomes an important question. I don't know the answer. Um, one thing I will say is I, I'm increasingly convinced that we should make electoral votes uh, based on net migration and not population, because I, I, I think that people are a lot more <laughs> people are a lot more honest about their beliefs with when their they feet. when they move that by yeah vote with their feet than when they vote in the ballot box, because that's when there's actual skin in the game. Yeah. All right. Well, that looks like a good place to wrap on those final words from Dr. Jacobson. Anything else? This has been a production of the Gorton Institute here at Ottawa University. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Five-star rating helps other people find us, and you can forward this podcast on to your friends and see if they like it too. Other than that, be fruitful and multiply. Thanks.